0: Jesus, we pray to you, and we worship you, for you are mighty to save. You have been active throughout the history of this world to reach down and rescue your people. You have pulled us out of the muck and the mire that so easily entangles us, the judgments, the frustrations the challenges and struggles that come against us, and yet you, in your generosity, in your goodness, and in love, reach down and you rescue us. You call us into new life, into new beginnings, into a new way of living and being and breathing. Life with purpose and meaning. Jesus, we give you thanks. You indeed are mighty are great and holy, and we give you thanks that you would choose to save us. Lead us now in this time of worship and learning and teaching and preaching as we nourish ourselves at your table, as we see and participate in baptism. Guide us this morning, save us once again as our Lord and as our God. We pray this in Jesus, your precious and your powerful name. Amen. I invite you to have a seat this morning. Well, we're continuing on in our uh, sermon series for the summer. We've been studying women, and not just uh, any women, but wild women of scripture in the Bible. We've been looking at women in the Bible who have uh, had challenging circumstances, difficult uh, 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 challenges they have to overcome, uh, struggles, honest and real struggles, and and, and in a frank way, uh, uh, sometimes women uh, who have uh, exhibited brokenness in their lives, and we're doing this because we understand as a church body that, that we have brokenness in our own lives. We have brokenness in our own lives, and it is often more meaningful to connect with someone who is broken and to be able to connect in that way than it is to try to connect with someone who's on this pillar, someone who's perfect. We can learn a lot from what scripture has to say through these women and through these stories that we find in scripture. And so we've been traveling through this series and today we have a, a particular story. Uh, it's another long story. Last week we had another long story. It was rich. It had a lot to it. How many of you did your homework? Do you remember to it? Did? No one did. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, a couple of homework. All right, cool. So when you walk on the way out, you got more homework today. You can get grab your CC weekly. There's more study questions and further study if you want to engage in the story some more and kind of tease it out and apply it to your own life. You can do that. Grab that on the way out and take that with you. Um, today... We are going to be looking at a story that is a a fairly well-known story, but it gets a really bad rap. It's a a tough story to understand, and it is pretty long. So what we're going to do is I'm going to do some reading. I'm going to ask you to listen. I'm going to do some reading, and then we're going to look at what I just read, then we'll do some more reading, and then what I read. So it's a story of Sodom and Gomorrah. How many of you have heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? All right, a lot more hands went up there. Okay, so I want to give you some context and give you some ideas. We're going to be looking at a particular family that was experiencing this, this historical moment where God intervened and, and, and was engaged with the cities of Sodom, specifically Sodom. And this family uh, has a, a father, a mother, and two daughters. And so we are going to look at what they were experiencing and what we can learn from them. And uh, the father of the patriarch, his name was L-O-T, Lot. Lot. And uh, to give you, give you an idea, what happened is Lot uh, is traveling with his uncle. His uncle's name is Abraham. You may have, I don't know if you've ever heard of Abraham before, but Abraham, his nephew is Lot. So Abraham and Lot are standing there. They're, they've, they've been traveling together. They've got all the, you know, they've got all their sheep and their cattle and they've got all the family packed up and they've been traveling and they finally arrive at a place and they're looking around like, yep, this is where God wants us to be. And, and Abraham looks at Lot and Lot looks at Abraham and they've got to decide now who's going to live. Where? Who's going to live where, and who's going to set up camp at what space? So they're talking, and Abraham looks at Lot and says, "Lot, you know what? You get the first pick. Where do you want to go? We are we are overlooking this beautiful vista. What direction do you want to take your flocks and your family, so that I can take my flocks and my family in a different direction, so that we can spread out. So here's here's where we pick it up. It's in Genesis uh, 13. We're going to start in Genesis 13, uh, verse 11, uh, starting at verse 11." If you have a Bible, if you want to bring that out, if you need Bibles, they're they're on the back tables. Take one with you if you don't have one. Otherwise, there's plenty of Bible apps out there. We're going to be jumping around a little bit in the book of Genesis. It's the very first book of the Bible. So here we go. Genesis 13, this is what it says. Lot looked about him, and he saw the plain of Jordan was well-watered everywhere that he looked, like the garden of the Lord. So Lot chose for himself all the plain of the Jordan, so Lot journeyed eastward. So he starts heading off to the east, and thus they separated themselves. Lot settled among the cities of the plain and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Wicked, great sinners. Against the Lord, and then we can actually, if we jump ahead just a couple, a couple uh, chapters and verses later, in uh, chapter nineteen, it says that uh, Lot has become so accustomed to living in and near the city of Sodom that he builds a house. That he builds a house. These are important. Um, when you think of this story, and when we when we begin to examine it and dig into it, what's happened is Lot has looked out. And he's seen, ooh, that looks really good over there. This is a really, this looks really nice. It's very verdant, it's very green. I can feed my flocks, I can feed my sheep. So he starts moving in that direction. And as he moves there, he comes upon these cities. Now these cities, these have bad reputation. These are nasty cities. These are cities that uh, have a reputation for wickedness and evil. And Lot's like, yeah, I'll raise my family, no big deal. <laughs> I mean, when you think about me and my wife, we've just started these conversations about, you know, raising a family and looking at buying a house. We're so excited to be a Christ church and all these things and uh on our list is not like we want to raise our children in a wicked city you know it's like not on our list but lot this is what he does he's traveling along and he he sees this 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 land and so he goes there and this is where he chooses to set up his life this is where he chooses to invest his time his energy and this is where he chooses to raise his family this is dangerous and we can learn from this right away here's the first first point Uh, Often, we can find ourselves wandering or being placed or being put into bad situations, bad habits, bad circumstances, bad places. And if we're not careful, we end up living there. We end up building a house there, like Lot. We become so accustomed to, to the neg- negativity and, and to these negative realities as a part of our life, it becomes normal. And we stop seeing them as, as negative and wicked and bad. And so we end up living there. I think this, this, can, this can apply to our lives in, in both a literal and a metaphorical way. I'll give me two examples. Uh, me and my wife are really conscious about our diets. We're really conscious about how we eat, we want to take care of our bodies, and so we're really conscious about our bodies. And so the warning that I get and and can clearly see here is that we don't want to put our lives, we don't want to build our home in such a way that we expose ourselves to and are in constant regular contact with uh, uh, things that would influence our diet negatively. We're not going to move next to a McDonald's. Uh-huh, right? Right? and you know what we're so we're we're going to take this seriously enough that when we when it comes to like the chip aisle at, at the store Piggly Wiggly we walk by the Piggly Wiggly chip aisle we don't go down it We don't expose ourselves. We don't want to be put in bad places, bad circumstances or situations that that are going to negatively impact our lives. Now, I'm not saying you need to all just avoid the chip aisle. Don't get me wrong here. What I'm saying is that sometimes we have situations and circumstances that we can identify in our lives that we know we should be avoiding. We should not be placing ourselves in contact with. And so we need to take the time and the energy not to make that normal for our lives. Because Lot does. Lot allows, he builds a home there. In a metaphorical way, I think this applies in a variety of ways as well. When you think about metaphorical, if you have uh, uh, anxiety struggles, if you have depression struggles, anger. anger's a really good one. Let's, let's talk about anger. If you are someone who wrestles with anger, don't put yourself in situations... Don't live in places where your anger is going to become normal, where you become accustomed to being angry all the time. If you are a person who struggles with anger, you don't want anger to become the norm. And that's what happens with Lot. He allows himself to move into a place and to live in a place where wickedness and negativity and evil becomes the norm. This is a clear warning Scripture has for us don't even go there if you can help it don't live in situations in circumstances or places that are going to pull you away from who god wants you to be all right the story continues on Uh, the reality is sodom and gomorrah sodom is is such a city that it needs to be extracted god needs to do surgery uh, sometimes there are situations, and we know this from, this can happen with specific persons, this can happen with uh, uh, areas, demographics, whatever, geography, that sometimes wickedness becomes so bad, so dangerous, and so, so volatile in its ability to spread that sometimes God intervenes to extract it and pull out the wickedness. He's got to end the disease. It's kind of like uh, cancer cells, right? You got to go in, and there's nothing fun about surgery. But that's essentially what God is doing. He's, he's allowing pain and hurt in order to extract that which is evil. So he's going to do surgery on the world and extract the pain and, and the potential danger of Sodom from the world. So he's going to demolish Sodom. This is what God decides to do. But God is looking at Sodom and he notices Lot. He's like, ooh, Lot, he's one of mine. So let's go get him. Let's get him out of there. We got to do a rescue effort here. So he sends in some angels to do, for, for Operation Rescue Lot, okay? So this is what happens. We're going to pick up the story in uh, 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 chapter 19, verse 12, if you want. Chapter 19, verse 12. Then the angels said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-laws, daughters, anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of this place, for we're about to destroy it. Because the outcry of its people has become so great before the Lord, the Lord has sent us in to destroy it. So Lot went out to his sons in law, who were to marry his daughters. Up! Get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons in law to be jesting. When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Get up! Get out of here! Take your wife and your daughters who are here, or else you will be consumed with punishment. Along with the city. And then these really three important little words. But he lingered. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand. They literally grabbed a hold of him and and, and they seized him by the hand. And the Lord, being merciful to him, they brought him out and left him outside of the city. Important basic fact. This is an important basic principle when God is calling you, when God is intervening in your life, when God lets you know, ooh, this is a part of your life that's going to be spreading disease, this is going to be bad for you, and we've got to pull you out of this. we got a rescue effort for you, and we've got to get you moving in a new direction, a new way of living, and we've got to let the past be the past. We have a, we, we got to get you moving out into the future, because if you stay where you are, it's going to end in destruction. It's going to end in pain. There's going to be suffering as a part of your life and so i'm god and i want to rescue you from this and move you in a new direction right and so this is what he's trying to do with lot and lot lingers he kicks back with a bottle of wine he sits down on the front porch says i don't know man you sure about this and that's what he's doing. He lingers. And this is true of ourselves as well, isn't it? We make excuses. We stall. We procrastinate. How many of you are self-admitted procrastinators? Okay, fair number of us, right? Yeah, we procrastinate. And in our lives, sometimes God wants to do something. God wants to call us to something. You feel it weighing on you, and you're like, Man, this is a part of my life. I feel like I've got to leave behind. God really wants this for my life. And yet, we, you know, I'll get around to that. I'll do that when I'm ready. I'm just not ready yet, so I'll get there when I get there. And we stall and we wait and we make excuses. And what happens is the the longer you wait, the more you stall, the more you procrastinate, the harder it is to actualize what you feel like God is asking you to do. A good example of this is uh, uh, Mount St. Helens. How many of you were around when Mount St. Helens... Yeah, fair number. Do you remember? You watch on the TV and stuff, right? Um, me and my wife, we were we lived in the Northwest for a year, and it was just a great experience. I'll tell you more about it a little bit later, but while we were there, we had a chance to visit Mount St. Helens. We went to Mount St. Helens, and uh, beautiful, absolutely beautiful up there, but uh, very meaningful to, to be in that place, powerful. And when we were there, we saw this beautiful um, museum that they had made. They made this museum, and in it, I'm walking around this museum and I'm looking at all these pictures and I'm learning all these stories of all of these people. And and I began to realize some of the stories that I was reading were really, really humbling and, and confusing to me. Because what happened is that the forest ranger dudes would go out and they started like evacuating the whole thing because, like, you know, the ground's sending tremors, right? Uh, you can see the warning signs so to speak you feel the tremors and they're like hey, we gotta get out of here this thing's doing something weird right and so they send in people to evacuate and there's some people who are like yes we're packing up we're out of here right away we're out of here gone then there are other people who linger uh, yes US Forest Service dude I feel the tremors I see what you're saying Uh, I'll be right behind you. I just got to pack some things. I got to bat down the shutters. I got to, you know, make the most I can with the time we got. So I'm just going to hang out here for a little bit longer, and uh, uh, I'll I'll be right behind you. I was shocked to learn the number of stories where people had had, had, had definitively lingered. And as a result, what happened to them? Well, (laughs) they were caught in the blast and the explosion. And it resulted in pain, suffering, and in in many cases, even death. Even death. Because they lingered when they were supposed to be moving. All right, let's keep talking about the story a little bit more. Picking up the story, chapter 19, verse 17. When they brought them outside, so now the family is outside, they said, flee for your life. Run, get out of here. Do not... Look back or stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the hills, or else you will be consumed. Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, your servant has found favor with you, and you've shown me great kindness in saving my life. As if that's not enough. But I cannot flee to the hills for fear that the disaster will overtake me and die. Look, that city is near enough for me to flee to, the little one. Let me escape there. It is... Not a little, it is not just a little one, is it? My life will be saved. The angel said to him, very well, you've spoken. Hurry up, (laughs) escape there, for I can do nothing until you arrive. Therefore the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. So, what Lot is doing is the angel is looking at him. They're outside the city, and the angel's like, Get going, get out of here, run, leave this situation behind you, and escape and flee to the hills. And, and he's looking at the hills, and thinking, Woo, that's a long ways. I'm like, I am like, I haven't done my aerobic exercise in a while. I'm not going to make that. And so he says, Let me go to the little city here. Just a little one. It's not a big deal, right? I can just make it there. And he's like, Fine, okay, go. Just get out of here, will you? And so he runs to Zoar, and he goes to Zoar. There, there are a couple important things that we can pick up from this. Two specific things. The first one, uh, first one is pretty big. It's pretty, uh, pretty obvious, and I think you'll get it more when I give you an analogy. Is Don't stop moving. When you start making a change in your life, when you feel like God is calling you to something different, and you start moving in a new direction, and you're leaving the past behind you, old behaviors, old old ways of living, and you're, you're living into a new direction and way, you don't want to stop moving. you got to get moving and keep moving. Sometimes this means making short-term goals. Sometimes this means making a short, definitive, I can do that. I might not be able to hit the hills, but I can at least get to Zoar. Fine. Do it. Get moving. If God's calling you to a new part of your life, to a new future, to a different way of being— Set some goals and start working towards them. If you want to be more patient, set some goals. It's one thing to like say, I'm going to wake up someday and have unlimited patience. Has that ever happened? I've asked for that. I still don't have that. Do you have that? I don't have that yet. I'm still working on it. But what I can do is I can see Zoar. It's this little town, and I can work towards it. I can say, I'm going to be more patient as it relates to my wife. When she comes home, I'm going to be conscious about being patient and I'm gonna ask her about her day first. I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna be patient, right? And so we can make definitive goals that we can reach. So I think this I, this, is, this is a definitive easy thing that we can do is make realistic and achievable goals. That's what Lot is doing. The second thing is um, he's moving and once you start moving, you don't stop. That's really the bigger thing. Uh, I got it in my head a while ago that I was going to run a marathon when I was in college. I got it in my head that I wanted to run a marathon, and so I'm training for this marathon, and I'm doing all this exercising, right? I'm doing all this running, and I'm getting out there, and it's like the big day, and I'm like, yo, I got this, no problem, right? And I'm, 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 I'm like starting to run, because like, by now, my training, it's like up to like, you know, 15 miles is no big deal, right? So I'm like used to this long-distance running. But now I'm in the race itself, and I'm chugging along, and I'm like, 10 miles? That's a breeze. You know, thirteen. Yep, no problemo. Fifteen. Yeah, this is getting long, but I'm here, all right. You know, seventeen. Okay, we're working. Nineteen. I'm gonna die. Right? I'm gonna die. And I'm, I, I definitively remember this. I, I distinctly remember this they have these places where they give you you these aid stations that you go by and they like hand you water and they hand you stuff and there are bathrooms there and stuff and I remember thinking I could stop just for a moment and I could get water and I could just stop and drink the water but I knew if I stopped I would not get moving again this is true in our lives as well When we are working towards the future, God is calling us into. When we stop, it is hard to get moving again. So don't stop. God's calling you to do something, make a change, be a different type of person. If he's calling you into a new type of future, get moving. Stay moving. Don't stop. All right. Here we go, back to the story. Picking it up with verse 24. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew the cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife, behind him, looked back she became a pillar of salt. This is, this is the moment where we can learn something truly significant from Lot's wife, particularly. There's a basic principle operating in our lives. And you all know it. You've just probably never heard it said. This is the principle. right? Where your attention goes, that's where the direction of your life goes. And where your direction goes, that's where your destination is. Let me put it to you this way: If I want to go to LA, I'm going to give my attention to getting to LA, and guess what? I'm going to end up in LA. But if I want to show up in LA, if my destination, if my goal is is to make it to LA, but I give my attention to New York, what's going to happen? Where, if I get in the car and say, yeah, I'm going to L.A., and then I start thinking about how do I get to New York, where am I going to end up? Yeah, I'm going to end up in New York. It's the same thing with our own lives in all the other various aspects, right? What you give your attention to. If you want to have great kids, but you don't give attention to your kids, you're not going to end up in a destination where you have great kids because you're not giving the attention to your kids, if you want to have a great marriage, if you want to have a great work environment, if you want to have great integrity, if you want to have great trustworthiness, if you want to have great relationships, if you don't give attention, where your attention goes, your direction for your life goes. And wherever you, you lead your direction in, that's where you're going to end up. So if you want to have a life that, God, that honors God, that you feel like God is asking you to be a part of, and, and you want to make these changes in your life, Give your attention to those things. Don't get distracted. Don't get pulled away. Give your attention to the things God is asking you to give attention to so that the direction of your life will remain moving you towards the destination God desires for you. What happens with Lot's wife is she looks backwards. She looks back. She gives attention to the old life, the old way of living, the old home, the old habits. The old is where she gives her attention. And as a result, because she gives her attention there, she is pulled into the experience. And she is pulled into the, the, the reality that punishment is coming to these, the pain and the suffering of the old. The old way of living, the old way of being. Because she pulls her attention away from the future and puts her attention on the past, she now participates in the destruction of Sodom because she gave her attention to the past. In your own life, ask yourself that penetrating question. Consider it. Think about it this week. Where is God calling my attention to what is the future he wants for me? And how do I bring my attention to that place, that, that situation, whatever, those relationships? How do I bring my attention there and keep my attention there? And not get pulled into old ways of living or old habits. Looking backward will end up leading you backward. There are three different verses I wanted you to write down in your notes section I'm just going to read into you now. You should revisit them later, uh, where the Apostle Paul talks about leaving the old self behind. Uh, first one is Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-two. It says, "This you were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds to clothe yourselves with a new self, creating according to the likeness of God." In righteousness and holiness. Leaving the old self behind. Moving towards a new self. Colossians chapter 3 verses 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have stripped off the old self with the old self's practices. You have clothed yourselves with a new self which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. Last one, Romans 6, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified along with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. What Paul is trying to communicate, what we can learn from Lot and his family, and specifically his wife, when God calls you to a new life, keep your attention on a new life. Life. All right, last bit. I don't know if you noticed, but this whole story, God has been working all along to save and heal. God has been active. When when we've been talking a lot about us, take a moment and talk about God. God has been active in, in, in saving, in healing, in rescuing Lot. He's looking at this circumstance and situation. He's, he sees that this is a dangerous city that's spreading destruction. And then he sees one of his own people in the midst of it. And he says, ooh, we got we to do Operation Lot Rescue and pull him out of there. This is the kind of God that we have. A God who intervenes in Lot's life and in your life to heal, to rescue, to save. This is God's character, to heal and to rescue, and to save. He wants to call you into that new future and, and, and so you can leave behind the brokenness of the past. God is trying to work and move in your life to do that. So when he does it, when he talks to you, when he says, hey, I want a new wave, if God's laying something on your heart saying, man, I just really feel like I need a change, I need a change in my life related to this, embrace it, run to it, hold up, hold on to it, trust him. If God is working to say, I want to bring this into your life and I want to do this with your life and it's going to be incredible and I want to leave I want you to leave behind these destructive habits and this is what I want for you and it's 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 beauty and its holiness and it's awesome it's it's right living right relationships using your money wisely it's having good relationships at work and at home and raising your kids in a way that's that's honoring and good trust him when he begins laying things on your heart. Trust him. Trust him when he shows up and he starts acting and moving in your life. I want to give you one example from my own life. I mentioned before that me and my wife went and we spent a year in the Northwest. We went out to uh, Washington State, living right near Portland, Oregon, and that's part of my educational process. And uh, what happens is in my education, uh, they the, the powers that be come to you and say, Do you want to restrict yourself to a specific city or are you willing to go anywhere in the United States? And we'll put you somewhere in the United States. Are you going to restrict yourself or are you willing to go anywhere? Now, my wife had been unemployed. We were newly married. She'd been unemployed for months. She finally got a job offer and we turned it down. It was one of the hardest things we ever had to do. We turned it down. It was not a safe thing. It was not a good thing. But it meant turning down money. So we are going on like six, seven, eight months, newly married, where well, your husband's at school. I was a student, and she's unemployed. You get the picture? All right, enough said. So eight months go by, the powers that be come to us and say, do you want to stay here or do you want to go? And right at that time, she got a new job. She actually got a job. It was like, Woohoo money, it's raining from the skies. We can afford a red box for $1.39, you know. I mean, it was like incredible. We had income for the first time ever. And so she had money finally coming in, and she had this new job, and now the school is asking, do you want to leave in four months? Woo! we had a lot of talks about that. So we talked, and we talked, and we said, we just can't afford to do that. There's, we're just not in a position where we can do that. We just can't do that. And so I filled out all my paperwork, and it's the day I'm supposed to turn my paperwork in. The, the deadline's approaching at 8 p.m. It's got to be in. I come home from school. I come home from my classes. It's like 5, 530. I know she's supposed to be home. I walk in the door. The lights are off. I'm like, okay. There's like nothing moving in a house. You know that feeling? There's like nothing moving in the house. So I'm like, okay. So I walk into the house. She's sitting on the couch. Okay, she still hasn't said anything, not a hello, dear, nothing. And then I noticed there's, like, four Bibles and, like, three notebooks in like, journaling. And there was a spiritual powwow happening up in our house, like, 30 minutes prior. I mean, seriously, there was some serious praying going on. She had that look on, like, you know, just like, I'm sitting there like, okay, like, what now? You know? So I go up to her and I say, honey, <laughs> I'll sit down. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> she just in a very calm, calm way. She said, she said, honey, I love you. And I spent the last, last hour and a half reading uh, in scripture and praying. And I know I just got this new job, but I believe, and I feel like God has said, we need to go. We need to open ourselves up. So We did that night, with three hours left, I sat down and I rewrote my whole application. <laughs> Click. Got it in there. Just in the nick of time. God called us into a new future and we trusted him and we never looked back. And It was incredible. One of the best years of our lives. For our marriage. Just, just what it means to be out and adventuring and young in ministry. We didn't look back. We trusted what he had called us into, and we embraced it. Let's pray together to close. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God who chooses to heal and save, who chose to get active in saving Lot <laughs> to the point where you would send angels to literally drag him out of the city in order to save him. Lord, we confess to you sometimes that's what it takes. It takes with broken people you've got to drag us out of the situations, and we confess that is too often the case. We're sorry. We ask that you would be patient with us, that you would continue to heal, that you would continue to save, that you continue to be active in our lives, calling us into that new future, calling us uh, into the people you want us to be. Rescue us from the destructive places we too often set up home life and move us towards being the people you desire us to be. Thank you for Lot's story and what we can learn from it, from Lot's wife. Help us look forward and give our attention to the future you have in store for us. We ask this and pray this, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.